All right, here with Will Buckley, Country Manager for Canada at Zero. Uh, we're going to be talking today about the future of cloud accounting in Canada. Have a few questions for Will about um, you know his background, where uh, he sees the market heading, and uh, just talking about the landscape and the future of cloud accounting in the country. So, Will, thank you very much uh, for joining me here today. It's a real pleasure to have you here. Very happy to to be here with you. Awesome. So, um, you know, you've moved to Canada recently. Um, you used to live in Australia and I think you lived in a few other places in the world as well. Um, what are some of the, how, first off, how are you enjoying it here? And what are some of the biggest differences that you've noticed between Canada and some of the other places you've lived? Um, look, I landed in, in January in smack bang in the middle of the, the cold Toronto winter. So um, the fact that I've been through two of those now surely, um, surely shows everyone that, that I'm sticking it out for the longer term. Um, so yeah, the, the biggest shock for me was definitely moving from the, uh, the beach lifestyle in Australia and, and coming over to Toronto right in the middle of minus, I think the day we landed was like minus 25 outside yeah. at, at Pearson. Um, so yeah, my, my background, I'm, I'm a, I'm a CPA in Australia. Um, I ran my own accounting practice in Australia. Uh, joined, I fell in love with Zero about eight years ago, um, and that's actually um, when I when I started my own practice. So I, I ran that for a few years and gradually got closer and closer to the Zero team uh, down in Australia and decided to to jump the fence and join forces with Zero. Um, and I've since spent time in the Australian business, moved over to the US, and spent a year in Denver, Colorado, with the um, with the North American leadership team and uh, recently got the opportunity to, to move up to Canada with um, some, some outstanding zeros from around the world to, to launch our efforts up in Canada as well. So it's uh, just gone 18 months now since we officially awesome. Awesome. Uh, launched in Canada, but I'm very, very happy to be here and overwhelmed with how, how well zero has been received in Canada by Canadians. And if you've uh, already been through the winters and you're still sticking around, that's probably mm -hmm. a good sign, right? And, um, you know, the other thing that I... That's actually, um, my wife and I are expecting... My wife and I... Oh, sorry. It just cut out. Go ahead. Yeah, we're good. No, no, no. I was just going to say that my wife and I are expecting our first. Um, and it, it's uh, our child's going to be a Canadian. So that's another sticking point for us. <laughs> Congratulations. It doesn't look like you're, uh, you're, you're leaving here anytime soon. Put it to you like that. No, not at all. <laughs> we're happy. Good stuff. And uh, I did a little bit of digging online and I saw that, um, you know, you had a bit of a professional soccer career at one point. Saw there's a few videos floating around. You have some good skills there. Um, also, you were in the reality TV world. So um, what's going on with that? Any plans to return to reality TV? How's the soccer career coming along? So the, the soccer career is well and truly behind me. Um, I did give it a good run for a number of years. Like it was, it was my passion all through through my teenage years, um, moved overseas, lived in Romania, Belgium and France, um, gave it a, a good solid shot. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out um, and a few injuries kind of stunted my progress a little bit later on. But thankfully, I, um, I always held on to my accounting um, education and, and continued through with that um, through, through the off season. So I was, I was really happy um, to make sure that I, I got my designation um, and, and had a career after football didn't work out for me. Um, reality TV was 
it was a, <laughs> it was an interesting experience. Look, I'll say that it uh, certainly taught me how to be very comfortable and, and used to being around the cameras. Yeah. So we'll, we'll put it down to a, a good introduction to media training. Um, but yeah, no plans to, to, to go into the reality TV world again. <laughs> yeah, that, that might be a, maybe maybe something down the road with zero, like reality zero TV or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Look, it's uh, we'll, we'll put it on the on the on the whiteboard for ideas. Yeah. Um. Could you just maybe briefly summarize your role at Zero? Yeah, sure. So um, I look after our, our go-to-market efforts and our frontline teams here in Canada. Um, so Zero's got customers in over 180 countries, um, and we we select a few specific regions and countries that we want to have a dedicated effort in. Where dedicated effort in where um, we've naturally been pulled into into that country because of some really um, strong, loyal, early adopting customers and, and accounting and bookkeeping partners um, that make it a really valuable um, opportunity for us to, to do a little bit more face-to-face. So um, in the 18 months that we've been here, it's, it's been my primary responsibility to, to build a really top quality team um, to, to help service our customers and our partners uh, more and more in person um, rather than sort of remotely and, and through the distributed global um, model that, that we do have at Zero. Cool. Um- and before joining Zero, as you mentioned, you you did have your own cloud accounting firm in Australia. It was called Buckley Brown, um, and I think that gives you an interesting perspective as someone that kind of like oversees, you know, a jurisdiction when it comes to cloud accounting. And um, you know, maybe you could just tell me about a, a bit about the firm and why you started it. I'm, um, like I said, like I. I'm a traditional accountant. I started in practice, um, debits and credits, financial reporting. Like that was my bread and butter. Um, and for me, like having that core foundation, um, I think has sort of spurred me on to do some interesting things. Um, I've always had a, a little bit of an appetite for risk and very interested in the entrepreneurial and startup world. Um, and as part of that, a few of my friends actually started their own businesses um, after I got my designation and, and was sort of moving through public practice. Uh, and those friends came to me naturally and started conversations and wanted me to, to help them out a little bit. And so a few few opportunities popped up and I just thought, look, maybe it's a, it's a good time for me to venture out on my own and, and um, start consulting and, and supporting some of my friends through their early ventures. Uh, and then I guess uh, I did an okay job with that and friends started telling their friends and their network about my services. Um, and it's, it escalated pretty quickly. I mean, the first year in practice on your own is, is always tough, um, but if you focus on doing uh, the right thing by your clients, then word of mouth definitely starts to spread. So over the four years that, that I was doing it, um, grew to a team of, uh, we have a team of, we have a team of six, mm-hmm. uh, and I managed to, to find another partner that came on board to join forces with me, and, and he's successfully running the practice today uh, down in Australia while I uh, pursue um, everything that I want to pursue in the in the tech world with, nice. with Zero to, to help spread the, the Zero love up here in Canada. And, and one thing I, I found interesting, I mean, you were a bit ahead of the curve with this kind of model and this kind of firm. And, you know, I saw, I saw a video on social media somewhere where you described the firm as non-traditional and modern. Like, what is your definition of non-traditional and modern when it comes to an accounting firm? In my experience, um, before I started my firm, I, I just felt that, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a tax accountant, right? That's my specialty. I didn't get into, um, I didn't get into the audit world, but I just found that 
for me, um, the professional services model around accounting and, and tax preparation was very volume driven and transactional. Uh, and there wasn't so much opportunity to, to collaborate and start having meaningful conversations with clients throughout the year. And it really was like a, an end of point entry transactional model or engagement. Um, so for me, the, the non-traditional or the modern accountant is, is someone that generally takes a, a curious interest in their clients and wants to do more than just the compliance work. They want to have meaningful conversations. They want to be involved in key strategic decision making. Uh, that their clients are going through um, and really become that trusted advisor. So I think I think accounting professionals um, just innately have the knack and the ability to have a really good quality conversation with, with clients around cash flow management. It's just it's what we do. And I don't think we value our ability to have that conversation as much as we should. Uh, so for me, that non-traditional or modern uh, accountant idea or branding um, was just around really positioning ourselves that, hey, maybe small business owners don't give accountants as much credit for, for ability to have a really thoughtful conversation around cash flow management. And, and that's the direction that I felt that, um, that I wanted to take my own career as an accountant and um, to really be proactive and uh, provide some, some really good value added services, which is why I uh, branded it uh, as non-traditional. Cool. And do you think like, like looking to the future, like do you think there's room for, uh, traditional firms in the years to come like how important is it to be non-traditional and modern in your definition of things like what's your view on that I, um, I mean I firmly believe that the relationship is at the, the core of, of the professional services model for accountants and bookkeepers um, I think the industry has had a, a colorful history over the past five to ten years with a lot of um, upstarts that have really focused on driving a hard um, client acquisition model around digital funnels um, and run it like a traditional um, software as a service inside sales shop where you're qualifying your clients, onboarding them and then pushing them through your service model. Um, but I think what's really exciting is um, the accounting industry on the whole has probably learned from upstarts like that that offer those those services around like a almost like a service as a service model um, rather than software as a service model. I think the traditional um, compliance-based accounting firms are starting to learn from that experience and really value the opportunity to leverage the existing client relationships uh, and take those relationships as the platform to start to create more meaningful conversations going forward with their clients and, um, and increase that scope of work with that existing client base. So for me, I think the key learning has been from all the disruption that has happened over the past 10 years in the accounting industry. Um, what has sort of come to head uh, at this point in time is, is how valuable that existing client relationship really is uh, and focusing on, on using that as the core for creating the platform for what can come next rather than looking around for where can I find new clients, where can I start to bring on board um, as many clients as possible. I think it's it's, uh, it's been a bit of a reality check of, well, I actually work with a number of people in my network today that trust me and know what I'm capable of doing. Um, how do I show them what my interests are um, to create uh, more opportunity for, for advisory-based services going forward with those existing clients? Okay, very interesting. So you really, uh, you really think the next stage, like we've gone through you know, certain levels of automation over the past few years. And now mm -hmm. we're at this, we're, we're at, you're saying we're at the, the stage where we have to start leveraging our existing relationships and our existing client base better 
uh, and offer them more value-added services, more advisory-oriented services going forward. So that's really where where your head is at at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's putting my practitioner hat on. If I go back to when I was in practice at running my own firm, it was so difficult to try and highlight or clearly articulate the value that I knew I could bring to someone when I was at a networking event, just someone brand new that I hadn't met before, trying to clearly articulate what I would, what I was capable of doing for their business is something that was really challenging to do. And I always found that it was much easier to, to, to have that conversation with someone that I'd done a little bit of work for before, had a previous engagement, even something small, like just preparing a, a financial budget, their first budget, for example, um, just building that bond and that trusted relationship with something small um, then really opens the door for, for future um, engagements and an opportunity to move into more advisory-based um, services going forward. So, yeah, I think um, leveraging AI, machine learning and, and all the emerging technologies that are coming through the, the accounting industry um, today, that, that really is um, a vital piece to creating that extra capacity and capability in your practice and in your day-to-day work life to be able to spend less time on um, dotting the I's and crossing the T's and, and actually being outward facing uh, and willing to have um, more conversations with, with clients and potential clients. Got it. Um, maybe just switching gears a little bit. Um, what do you think, what, what do you feel the state of cloud accounting is in Canada at the moment? Like where, where are we at right now? You know, like, uh, you know, a few years back, you know, zero was relatively new in the country. Uh, it's certainly getting to be a bit more uh, well known. Um, you know, people are more comfortable with cloud accounting. Like, where are we right now in Canada when it comes to cloud accounting? I think part for me, um, I was worried about when moving to Canada was how valuable and how engaged are accountants and bookkeepers as trusted advisors for their clients. Um, I think there's, in Australia and New Zealand, where I'm very familiar with, with the accounting industry, accountants and bookkeepers are um, clearly the trusted advisor for, for business owners when business owners want to set up a new venture or when they want to make key decisions. Um, so the big strategic question for me that, that I was looking to answer was how valuable um, to a business owner is um, their accountant and bookkeeper? And what's been really impressive um, since we've gone and, and gathered all the data and statistics on it, is more than more than 82% of Canadian businesses um, trust their accountant or bookkeeper um, as their number one um, business partner or um, trusted advisor. So for me, just understanding that that was true, um, I think that created the platform for Zero to really um, focus on empowering Canadian accountants and bookkeepers um, to collaborate more with their clients and and leverage those those cloud benefits that come with um, cloud accounting software. So um, for me over the past 18 months, just validating that that is the state of play in Canada has been incredibly important. Um, and what we're starting to see now with a number of government-led initiatives like open banking, um, we're starting to see that industries around uh, the accounting industry are starting to move forward with digital, um, digital transformation agendas, um, which is, is really gonna spur on the accounting industry. So right now, the, the statistics look like um, 10 to 15% of, of Canadian businesses are running their business on a, on a cloud accounting ledger. 
um, which is really early days, right? Like there's a lot of opportunity to come. Uh, but when you when you talk to a small business owner, uh, more than 60% of them are already already using cloud-based applications in their business and in, and in their daily lives, which is not surprising, right? Like uh, your Gmails or your social medias, your CRMs um, and other workflow tools. So uh, I think over the next couple of years, especially as open banking um, comes through in Canada, we're going to see some pretty aggressive adoption of, of cloud accounting by, by business owners because it just it makes sense. Um, and that's that's where I feel like we are today in Canada. Okay, I definitely want to get into the open banking a little bit later because uh, mm. I know you wrote a piece about that. But I th- find that a very interesting statistic where you say about one out of ten businesses are running uh, their business on a cloud accounting based ledger. So um, you know that basically means that y- you know you see a lot of opportunities for firms out there. How are f- what, what's the uptick that you're seeing uh, with firms starting to adopt this kind of this kind of technology? Because I think you know, in my experience, seeing in the past, it was really um, you know the client you know pushing the accountant uh, to get on board with these platforms. What are you seeing on the firm end of things? Question and I mean, like I said before, zero was pulled into Canada by the evangelists, the early adopters, the innovators, those firms and those practitioners that really did their own discovery of, of what was out there for cloud accounting technology, grabbed it and implemented it um, with their clients very early on. So I think there's there's been two fronts that have driven us to get to that 10 to 15 percent adoption rate. Um, it has been the super tech savvy and forward thinking business owners that want to start their business or move or migrate their business to a cloud-based application very quickly. And that has encouraged um, their accountants to also make the move at the same time. But to your point on, on the other side of it, there's been a lot of early adopters and evangelists in the accounting world um, that have also leveraged the technology and implemented it for their clients and made recommendations to their clients. Hey, you can get a lot out of, out of moving from, from a desktop ledger into a cloud-based ledger. Um, so I think what we're starting to see now is, is those early adopter uh, accountants and bookkeepers are starting to build pretty strong reputations for themselves, uh, well-respected reputations and a lot of credibility in the market, which is starting to, I guess, stir the pot and encourage uh, maybe some more traditional uh, and risk-averse accountants and bookkeepers to to really take a look at the technology and the value that it can provide and start to make decisions around, hey, maybe we should start piloting um, cloud-based applications for, for some of our clients, get the feedback um, and, and start to position ourselves what our, our digital strategy looks like for, for the firm going forward. So I certainly feel like we're, we're at an interesting point where um, the early adopters have done such a good job of uh, blazing the trail for uh, for mainstream accountants and bookkeepers to start to learn from them as as um, more and more of, of Canadian accountants and bookkeepers are looking to start to implement um, cloud-based applications going forward. Interesting. Um, and like, because the minority of businesses are on a cloud-based ledger, um, <clears throat> what role does Zero play in kind of helping advance that and helping bring that you know, closer to a hundred percent, you know, what, what is zero doing and, and maybe what are you doing to what's your strategy to perhaps grow cloud accounting in Canada and what role does zero play in this? I mean, to me, it comes down to trust, right? Like as soon as you get into a conversation with a business owner around um, their financial health and financial management, it's, it's a very intimate conversation and 
business owner in their right mind would want to open themselves up um, too soon to, to just anybody to have that conversation, right? So there's a lot of things that we need to do at, at zero, and there's there's a lot that um, at zero advisors, our accountants and bookkeepers in the zero community also um, need to do to, to prove the value um, and earn the trust and respect from from potential clients that aren't yet on cloud-based applications to convince them to make that move. So um, a big thing that we're working on at Zero is just clearly articulating what, what the values are um, and what the opportunity is and, and how we, we aim to solve some of those key pain points um, that business owners might be experiencing in their, in their existing um, desktop accounting solution. So uh, for us, it really comes down to, to building that trust and we're, and we're looking to do that through education uh, initiatives, which tie nicely to, to building um, brand and social awareness campaigns um, to make sure that the business owners have the ability to go and do their own research um, and, and ask really open questions in a safe environment to get the, the information that they need to be able to, to make a, a nice informed decision going forward. Because, I mean, it's changing accounting platforms and, and accounting systems. I mean, starting brand new is, is relatively easy, right? Like you can create a, a new set of chart of accounts and, and start to get your bank account, send some invoices, do some bills and, and you're flying, right? But when you're an established business uh, and you've got an existing customer base, you've got an existing partner base, um, you don't want to be changing accounting platforms every couple of years. Like it's, it is a really long-term strategic decision that you're making. Um, so it's really important that that doesn't happen too quickly, that there is a nice safe environment to, to answer all of the questions and get all of the information uh, in front of you to be able to make that almost 10 year or, or generational um, decision for your business. Got it. And I guess like as country manager of Canada, I imagine you speak with uh, other country managers as well. Um, what, what's your view on like where Canada is compared to other jurisdictions? Like are firms here lagging behind the times? Are they lagging behind other markets? Are we ahead of, of some of the other markets? Like where, where are we right now? Uh, when it comes to uh, like more innovative approaches? Uh, are we lagging? Are we ahead? And uh, if so, in what area specifically? Don't think the accounting industry in Canada is lagging behind. Um, what I think we've seen in, and in the conversations I've had with other country managers and other stakeholders of mine around, um, around zero around the world, we've seen significant events or catalysts for change being driven by um, market factors outside of the accounting industry that have driven adoption. Um, one, one really good example is the that is happening right now in the UK where Sorry, um, could you repeat HMRS that? Is, which is the... Sure, yeah. So it just, uh, the, just cut uh, out really, for a second there. Sure. Um, so I think what we're seeing, uh, we're seeing a, a number of really interesting initiatives and catalysts for change um, happening around the world, which encourage business owners and the accounting industry to move slightly quickly um, through the adoption of, of cloud accounting. And one of those really interesting initiatives, which is happening right now in the UK, is um, the Making Tax Digital Initiative, which is being run by um, the, the tax agency or the tax authority in the UK, um, HMRS. So what that looks like is HMRS is actually mandating that all small businesses um, start filing their, their tax compliance forms, um, VAT or GST forms, through a digital portal, through a digital format. 
um, which you can't do if you're running your business on desktop or on a paper-based or Excel-based solution, right? So um, when there's government-led initiatives like that coming through, that puts a, a lot of positive uh, force into encouraging business owners and the accounting industry to come together and work through that adoption event um, on, a, on a nice, timely basis. And when the entire industry is coming together and moving through the same um, the same shift at the same time, there's a lot of key learnings and opportunities to share um, amongst one another to make sure that it's a very successful move for the entire industry. So um, I'd say that something like that, an event like that, a catalyst for change like to that scale hasn't happened in Canada yet. Um, but what is really interesting is, is an event like that looks like it's on the horizon and that will be around um, how Canada adopts open banking. Um, so I'd say it's, no, it's of no fault for of the Canadian accounting industry, that we are where we are today in terms of low adoption rates. And um, I think there's a number of, of industries which need to come together in order to, to allow um, the accounting industry to move forward um, with adopting cloud accounting with their clients um, at, the, at the right time. So um, I think the Canadian accounting industry is ready to go through that change and that shift and that transformation. Um, but there's a number of factors that also need to come into play for it to be a, a successful shift. So, so some of these catalysts you're saying are what is what is helping other markets push forward and innovate a little bit more and some like their hand is forced, you're saying like in the UK. Um, and one of the reasons why we've seen lower adoption and lower amounts of innovation here is because we haven't had that catalyst yet. Is that, is that correct? And we certainly have, I mean, going back to, to the adoption curve, like the early adopters, the evangelists are absolutely, like the technology is there. Um, there's nothing stopping someone from getting going. But uh, sometimes when you see your peers starting to, to make moves and make decisions to move forward, um, that spurs you on and gives you the strength to also make that decision. So um, I think when you have a, an industry-led initiative or a government-led initiative like um, the Making Tech Digital Initiative, that encourages everyone to, to be willing to make that first move. So um, yes, there are definitely plenty of first movers that are reaping the rewards, uh, but there hasn't been that big significant catalyst for change that is uh, encouraging the entire industry to start to move all at once. So you've, you've mentioned early adopters in Canada a few times that have you know, had some success and have had, helped you know, uh, lead the market. Um, could you speak a little bit about maybe uh, any success cases you've seen where they might have moved from a traditional model to a more innovative, more forward-thinking model, adopted the cloud, adopted these types of technologies. Um, are there any specific examples that come to mind and how it might have helped these kind of firms? Yeah. Um, so Xero's platform is, is well-suited to firms um, across the spectrum in terms of size and complexity. So, um, We've had plenty of success stories um, with with new firms and firms that move straight into adopting uh, a cloud-based um, business model. Um, yours is is one of them, Ryan. So you're a fantastic success story um, in the zero community. Uh, and other firms, uh, examples of firms that have, have made that shift, like uh, Chad Davis and Josh White from LiveCA. Um, they they're a fantastic success story, and we've we've recently done a case study there as well. Um, which, which showcases what, what their lifestyle looks like running a, a cloud-based firm. Um, and, and to the other end of the spectrum as well, like, I mean, we've, we've got partnerships in place now with, 
with PwC, with Deloitte, with, with Grant Thornton. Um, so some of the, the bigger, more complex firms um, are starting to leverage and, and implement um, workflows that they can, that encourages them and positions them to be able to start to offer more value to their small business clients. Um, so there's certainly been a, a lot of really clear um, uh, learnings and, and early wins um, at, at all ranges of, of the spectrum for firm complexity, um, which gives a lot of confidence to, to firm, firm owners and partners that are looking to start to make the move themselves now. And you mentioned PwC there, and that was one thing that was mentioned at ZeroCon. There's a, 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 a global, I don't know what you call it, partnership, agreement, uh, a global rollout uh, where, where PwC is going to, you know, be more heavily, um, uh, you know, leveraging uh, the Zero platform. So you're starting to see larger firms starting to adopt cloud accounting. Uh, some of them have been a little bit slower to adopt. Um, is this something that should uh, concern some of the smaller firms out there. Um, you know, what's your, what's your view on that? Look, I think it's, I mean, if you're, if you're a small firm, smaller firm and, and you have really good, strong relationships with your clients and you're well in tune with what, what your clients are expecting from you, um, that's the most important thing to, to focus on, right? Uh, and as soon as you sense that some of those clients might be interested in, in having a conversation around uh, moving to a cloud-based ledger, for example, and leveraging the, the ecosystem. Um, that's like a really natural organic flow um, to position yourself to go on the journey at the same time with your client. So, look, I mean, my advice to, to a smaller firm owner that's perhaps quite apprehensive and, and scared or worried or concerned about moving to a cloud-based model um, would just be to have an open conversation with your clients and be, be open to having... Um, a discussion around it you don't have, I mean a conversation is one thing and then starting to put things in motion to to move to a cloud-based model is is a totally separate um, of the business model right that you get to but I think just being willing to have that open relationship with your client and conversation um, is the, the most important and look we know that that small firms and large firms are going to have different challenges along the way um, when they look to start to service their clients um, on a cloud-based ledger. Um, and we've we've done it over 100,000 times now. So there's over 100,000 firms um, at Xero that, that are leveraging um, the Xero platform for, for their firm, their, themselves and their staff and for their clients. So for me, the, the key piece is just being willing to have that that open conversation with, with your clients, but at the same time, um, leveraging the content and resources that someone like Zero has to help you through that, that change management piece. Because um, there's lots of different um, avenues and, and channels and routes that you can take uh, once you, you do want to take that first step into maybe trying it with your first client. So, look, I don't think there's any cause for concern for smaller firms um, as long as you're comfortable and you have good, strong relationships with your clients and you can show them that you're, you're open to have a conversation with them when it makes sense to, to start to look to leverage um, a, a cloud-based ledger. But if, you, if you're going to be defensive in nature and, and not be open to the conversation, I think that's probably where the, the course for concern comes. So um, just being open and transparent and, and open to new ideas and feedback um, I think is is the best thing that anyone could possibly do at, at this point in time. Good stuff. Um, and 
when we're you, you spoke you know a few times about you know cloud adoption rates um uh you know increasing digitization of businesses and even you know governments kind of forcing that hand a little bit what other trends are you monitoring at the moment that might affect the market is there anything like that you're following i know you're talking you're looking at open banking for instance like is there anything other trends that you know that are on your radar that you're that you're following and that maybe others should be following as well yeah for me it's the big one um I mean, the Department of Finance has put out a couple of papers. Um, there's now a formal Senate, Senate committee here in Canada um, leading the charge on the open banking debate. Um, do I think it's something significant is going to happen on the open banking front before the next election? Probably not. Um, but shortly thereafter, I think we'll start to see some legislation um, being looked at looked at in, in Parliament, which, which does um, set in stone that open banking is coming to Canada and this is what it's going to look like. Um, that's definitely the bigger, biggest one from, um, from my perspective. Uh, and we're starting to see more and more being published around what open banking um, My belief is just the fact that the conversation has started. We're going to see some of the, um, the bigger financial institutions and banks uh, take their own, um, take their destiny in, into their own hands and, and really look to, to roll out and release um, their own technology to, to be able to get ahead of the open banking um, timeline so that they can uh, make the most of those first mover advantages. Um, but at the end of the day, for me, like what's most important with open banking is that um, there's, there's a clear definition that customers are the, the owners of their own data. Uh, financial institutions and fintech providers like Xero are simply custodians of that data. Um, the ownership always sits with the customer. Uh, and once we get to that point, that's almost a, a guiding principle for um, the rules of engagement between fintech platforms, banks, uh, and customers. Uh, and then the other one is, is speed. Um, so just getting uh, currency moving through the economy much quicker. That's, that's one of the big benefits of, of something like open banking. Um, instant payments, uh, instant receivables, instant payables, uh, a frictionless economy, right? Like that's, that's super valuable for starting to move cash through the economy quicker uh, and removes, removes that friction, which um, helps the Canadian economy uh, pick up its speed and move at, at a quicker pace. Um, and, and, and you wrote a piece on uh, open banking and the Globe and Mail recently, um, uh, which was a, a good read. And uh, we spoke about this in San Diego um, at ZeroCon. And maybe you could just very briefly explain what open banking is and why this is important for, uh, you know, the country and, you know, how this actually affects firms at the end of the day as well. So open banking, it's not a new concept, by the way. So open banking is, um, is an active conversation in, around the world, um, in countries like the UK, in Australia, in New Zealand, um, and there's even discussions in the US as well, and, and the European Union's also got um, open banking conversations going. But open banking is, is essentially um, the secure transfer of, of financial data um, with customers' consent uh, between financial institutions uh, and financial technology providers like Xero. Um, and the, the model is uh, just around ensuring that customers have the ability to allow um, other service, any service provider to get access to their financial information uh, for, their own, for their own customer benefit. Um, so a typical example of, of that would be um, the the instantaneous and live 
transactional data feeding from a customer's um, from from their bank account into their general ledger, right? So that you can activate that instant or real-time bank reconciliation process so that you can get a real-time view of your cash flow position as a business owner and as an advisor. Um, Now, there's a lot that goes into uh, an open banking agenda, um, but open banking typically looks like a government-led initiative where the government mandates a set of standards and protocols around security um, and data ownership. which is very uh, protective uh, and with the customer's best interests at heart to ensure that there is very tight regulation around um, what customers uh, and banks and fintech providers can and can't do with with that data. So here in Canada, we're starting to see that conversation pick up. Uh, there's been some really interesting um, interesting developments so far um, where some of the banks uh, are starting to also release some technology to market before open banking really takes takes full form, uh, which really does champion the, the initiatives and the benefits of an open banking agenda, which really is all about putting the power of, of what customers want to do with their, their financial data in their own hands. Uh, and the banking industry gets to create all kinds of digital services and products around the periphery. Um, within their portfolio, but then there's also fintech providers like Xero that also get to um, to provide a really good quality product and service to, to our mutual customers um, for the customer's benefit. So, so in your view, you see things trending in that direction. Um, but why would banks want to give up? Like right now, they have the data, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. part of open banking is kind of transferring that data so that it's owned elsewhere. If I understand correctly, why would banks want to do that? Wouldn't, wouldn't they just want to hold, you know, keep control of that data? It's very easy to, um, to, to point the finger and, and assume the worst of big financial institutions. Um, but, look, I mean, we have conversations with um, financial institutions in Canada um, fairly frequently. Um, and, look, at the end of the day, we, we all have the same objective of providing benefits to our mutual customers, right? Like the, the most important thing here is that small small business owners and consumers in, in Canada um, get access to world-leading technology to be able to improve the likelihood of um, them being successful for longer in business. So um, banks are absolutely interested in providing the best possible technology to their to their customers. And if the if the bank has the ability to do, I mean, the banking industry is extremely competitive, right? So um, there's a lot of pressure on, on the banks to, to compete amongst each other and, and have the best product in market. Um, but yeah, in all the conversations, like it's not around protecting and owning um, the data and holding on to it. It's, it's more so around um, what do we need to do to have the best solution in front of clients first. Um, so the focus um, with open banking is it's clearly establishing that small business owners and consumers are the ultimate beneficiary of the open banking um, mandate or agenda. Um, And because that, that is a government led initiative and there is legislation that clearly articulates um, standards that need to be met around security protection and sharing of data. And the, the banks get to rally around that core principle and make sure that they're meeting that expectation and meeting it very quickly so that they can be extremely competitive um, in, in the banking industry. Cool. Um, there was a, a pretty big acquisition that happened in Canada uh, mm-hmm. quite recently. H&R Block came in and acquired Wave Accounting for half a billion Canadian dollars. Um, what's your view on this move? 
I mean, first off, it's it's um it's fantastic for Canada's tech scene, right? Like, um, like what a what a great story um, for for a fintech startup out of Toronto um, to to go on this journey, uh, be a disruptor in the accounting industry, um, offer a really good solution uh, for small business owners to get onto a cloud-based ledger, um, all built out of Toronto um, and successfully acquired. So I think for, from a Canadian tech scene, it's it's fantastic. Um, it's on, on, on a different note, I think it's very interesting, the conversations and the, the direction that the accounting industry might be taking. Um, I think we've seen a few examples of, of service providers and technology providers looking to establish what their strategic direction is um, around their revenue models, right? And um, you've got service providers looking to acquire uh, tech-based businesses and bring the technology into their own portfolio to support their clients. And then you've got technology providers starting to, to venture out into the into service lines. Um, I think we've seen an example of that with uh, Intuit's bookkeeping service. Uh, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but Intuit is um, in the US has announced that it is rolling out a service to, to offer bookkeeping service to um, QuickBooks Online users. So, um, yeah, there's, there's two examples right there where a service provider is acquiring the technology and the technology provider is looking to provide the service. Um, look, what I know and what's within um, the realms of control here at Zero, and what what I can assure everyone is our strategy is to, to stay as a technology provider. We firmly believe that the service model um, sits with the, the advisor, the Zero partner, right? And Zero has no interest in in looking to move into a service-based model. We, we want to be um, the very best general cloud-based general ledger solution in the market and have the richest ecosystem of, te of technology solutions that integrate with Xero to solve real-world problems for, for business owners and, and their advisors. So we're, we're laser-focused on, on, um, on maintaining our commitment um, that we believe that accountants and bookkeepers um, are an incredibly valuable piece to ensuring that business owners are successful uh, and we want to, we will continue to, to focus all of our efforts on building the, the very best technology um, and not get distracted in conversations around introducing a, a service line because that is so far out of the realms of, of what um, our core mission and purpose is at zero um, and it goes against everything we believe in. So more than 90% of all zero customers around the world are connected to a zero advisor and accountant or bookkeeper and that has been the recipe for our success um, and we're going to continue to pursue that right so you know h&r block pretty pretty big company you know they're going out acquiring a cloud accounting system there's been some rumblings who knows whether they're true or not that this might be some sort of like uber style model where they're you know you can provide you know on-demand uh, support to small businesses uh, and then QuickBooks Live into its uh, rollout of this kind of service line as well. Um, you know, they're looking to kind of Uberize the profession. Um, so uh, Zero is, uh, you know, as you've clearly stated, this, this is not something that's really on the radar whatsoever. Um, any additional thoughts on that? Like why, why not maybe consider that if like, things seem to be trending in that direction and people might want to have more on-demand service for certain tasks. Like why, why would this not be maybe on your radar? 
it's not on our radar because it goes it doesn't support what has made zero successful around the world what has made zero successful is our partner community the the bookkeepers and accountants our, our zero advisors working with their clients and working with zero customers that don't yet have an advisor um, to get access to that that top quality support um i mean it's i i I almost, I mean, I believe that it is quite naive to think that um, that software providers can provide the level of, well, the, the quality necessary in providing the, the advice to a business owner that they need um, to make those those decisions. Um, I mean, we've, we've seen it like business, so the small business survival rate in Canada, and only 51% of small business owners will make it beyond their first five years, right? And when that business owner starts their business on zero and connects with a zero advisor, that small business owner's survival rate increases from 51% to 83% after five years. So like our, our bread and butter and our, our value proposition and what has made us successful um, has always been partnering with accountants and bookkeepers. And we know that our accountants and bookkeepers do provide the very best level of service um, to their clients and we should be doing and we, we will continue to do everything in our power to, to support our advisors to be able to continue to, to have more and more conversations with more and more clients to offer that superior level of, of service. Um, we're not looking to Uberize um, and, and create microtransactions uh, around advice because advice is an incredibly unique um, and variable component that comes from information available there's no cookie cutter solution for, for for a good piece of advice it's it's unique and it stems from um how how good the relationship is between um, client and advisor um and my, my view is that it's that role should should not be assumed by the technology provider understood um i think i think i mean I'm certainly following that pretty closely. I think it's interesting to see how it's going to play out. Um, what, what about like on that same topic, do you think like this poses a threat to any firms out there? Is there ones that are maybe, uh, you know, if, if this does pan out, do you think certain firm owners should be concerned about this or, you know, you still holding the same view that, you know, that advice piece just can't be replaced uh, that easily? Um, I have 10 years in the accounting industry it's certainly going to be interesting right and I think I would just encourage any practitioner to, to be very curious and, and do their research um, and ask um, good questions and, and challenge technology providers challenge their peers, challenge the professional bodies challenge the banks um, so, so that we can go on this journey together right um, but yeah no I firmly believe that it comes down to the strength of the relationship that practitioners have with their client and if that relationship is tight and um, you're surfacing up the, the best information and the best insights at the right time for, for clients then that is the, the recipe for success right and as the technology provider um, at zero we want to help facilitate that conversation so um, help hold us accountable so that we're giving you the right information and insights and tools so that you can have that really good quality conversation. Um, that's where I, I see the, the, the journey going um, from Zero's perspective and from our accountants and bookkeepers. Um, it is, it's having that conversation 
um, and, and challenging us to make sure that we're doing the right thing by you so that you can maintain and continue to build the strength of the relationship with your clients. Cool. Um, one last question for you, Will. <clears throat> You've been in Canada for 18 months, I think you said. Mm -hmm. You've endured two winters. Most important question of all, your favorite hockey team. I, um, I'm, so I, I'm a Leafs fan. Um, I, I came to Toronto. I knew nothing about hockey um, and just being in Toronto. And actually, um, I live right downtown. So I'm, I'm right next to the Scotiabank Arena. So when every time the Leafs scored a, a goal, I'd hear the buzzer and the crowd cheer from, from, the, from my balcony. Um, so just from those early experiences, I'm a big Leafs fan. Um, but I've certainly picked up a, a lot of Canadian pride. So any time that I see a, a Canadian sports team um, taking on a, another team from outside of Canada, I, I will instantly back that Canadian team. Um, look, if it's the Canadians versus the Leafs, I'll back the Leafs. Um, but if it's, if it's the Winnipeg Jets taking on um, anyone else outside of Canada, I'll always back the, the Canadians. That's a very political answer of you there, Will. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> really, uh, really appreciate your time on this, and um, and uh, thanks for joining in. No worries, and they were um, thanks for the the really good questions, Ryan. I appreciate it. Awesome. Chat soon, Will. Cheers.